<laughs> My stomach keeps rumbling. Is there as enough well. to cut away from them? Yeah. Yes, good. Uh, um, good. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dayer. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. This is a podcast featuring all the work of a well-known TV producer, Jerry Anderson, uh, a podcast in which we ruminate over his legacy, his shows, we talk to many of the people that worked with him, and we also invite our audience, whom we call the Podstrons, to get in touch, to give us their thoughts and comments too. Goodness. I learned that on that course you sent that me. That was on. so amazing. It was great. We were in the woods banging drums. Yeah. Some kind of team building thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit weird because it was only me, so there wasn't much of a team. No, uh, team of one, but though. Ross just said, just go into the woods and bang some drums. Yeah. Uh, he made himself quite comfortable with some hot chocolate and some beanbags. He's always drinking hot TV. chocolate. Yeah. Uh, so I was banging some drums, and then he told me all about this thing called context. Yeah. And that I was to introduce it more into the podcast. It's, you've done a beautiful job. You're a changed man. Eyes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like scales falling from my eyes. Yes. Oh, sorry, should put that into context. So... Uh, when one uh, uh, approaches, uh, uh, is given new new information yeah. about a situation that yes. one thought one knew, yeah, yeah. it's it's customary to yes. say that one feels the scales are falling from one's eyes, right. and that's how I feel now. What's the etymology of that phrase, though? Uh, I haven't done that course. Did uh, to, did to the etymology course. Etymology course. It's an etymology course. Yeah, don't are you worry. You me on that. We'll book you on that as well. I mean, I just thought I was all right just busking it the way I was before. No, no, no. We're taking this into the upper echelons. Of podcasting now, so you've got to you've got to buck your ideas up, mate. You sure other people are doing these courses? (laughs) Well, doing podcasts, the etymology one, yes, absolutely. Anyway, Podstrons, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, Uh, whether you're new or an existing Podstron, you'll now be fully versed in what this podcast is all about. Thanks to Richard's fantastic introduction, putting it in context. Yeah. Uh, So Richard James, yes, he's an actor. He was in some Anderson stuff. Yes, uh, Jamie Anderson, well Jerry's son, uh, but also producer, writer, director in your own right. Allegedly, those things. Oh. of course, the yep. wonderful, marvellous Chris Randomeister-Dale, yep. who's in fact changed his name by Depole to Chris Randomeister-Dale. Has he? Yeah. Oh, and there he is now. Yeah, hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Yeah. Uh, and he'll be bringing us a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson episode later on. Yeah. Random episode of a Jerry Anderson. Yeah, yes. you see, I got in trouble for saying all that last week and I was sent on some course. Yeah, 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 I, I know, but... Going cold in that forest. Well, the drum, the drum banging should have kept you warm, possibly. Anyway, throughout yes. this, we've got some segments, don't we? Yes, which segments. some people will know about and some people won't. Segments it makes it sound a bit like a centipede. Don't think I like that. Or a or a tangerine. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yes, if Un- you... unpeeling oh. the, the tangerine of the Jerry Anderson podcast <laughs> and picking off those little white bits, the, the pith. The yes. Removing the pith. Yes. Uh, Yeah, and spitting out the pits as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, But anyway, yes, so segments. Okay, well, we've got Fab Facts. That's where you um, pick up that book of Fab Facts, like I can see there. Mm, That mm, that mm. is the book, isn't it? That is the very book, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Flick through it, I shout Fab. You sort of spout on for a bit, and I look vaguely interested. It's quite a delicious sort of um, kind of burst-in-your-mouth segment, isn't it? Well, I find it sort of quite fibrous. You know, when you've sucked all the juice out, you just have the husk. The bit that you actually that, want to spit out. Yeah, that's disregard. what that is to me. Okay, fine. Uh, we've got some news in the Jerry Anderson universe because there's always something new happening in the worlds of Jerry Anderson. Yeah. Essential, right. varied, yep. delicious. Yep, thank you. Um, <laughs> and not so bad yourself. Uh, we've also got the second part of an interview with Nicholas Young, who joined us last week. He was in Bring Us a Wonder, Space 1999. But we know him from various other things. I mean, I've been showing some clips in the interview and there's more coming up yes. from uh, other areas of his work. Yeah, and we know him from Breakfast. 
We so, do know him for breakfast. Yep. We didn't say much to him over breakfast. No, but he, I was, a bit he, shy. Was, he was sat at the head of the table and we were quite far yeah, down. Yeah, so. yeah, like the naughty children. Yeah. That's right. We were also at the back of the bus on the way to the venue and he was at the front. Yeah. <laughs> you know, singing rude songs. Yeah, flicking bees to truck drivers, <laughs> things like that. Uh, and, uh, and the randomizer, but uh, above, beyond, beneath, and throughout all that, the Podstrons. I love yes. the Podstrons. Yes, they're brilliant. Even You're now. Brilliant. Even through all the nonsense and mm. chicanery. Mm. Chicanery? Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, they'd be getting in touch. Podcast.jerryanderson.com with their thoughts and comments, questions. We'll be reading them out later. And I think we might also be visiting the Facebook page or the YouTube channel. Can't remember which. One of them. We'll do one or yeah. the other. Or both. Right. Exactly. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Good. So do stay with us for the next hour and a half. An hour and a half. Mm. Every it week. feels like an hour and a half already somehow with this introduction. All right, get on with it then. Okay, shall we move on? Yes. It's fab facts. I know. <laughs> now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Does this need context, do you think, Fab Facts? No, just needs going straight into it. Right, okay. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. All ready. Oh, okay, right. Oh, Fab! Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was <laughs> You weren't ready pants. for that, were you? You were not ready for that. Okay. Uh, well, this is going to be meaningless to anyone who's new. But I just flicked through a book of Fab Facts and Richard Child Fab, and that stopped me on the page. And now I'm going to read it to you. So here we go. Right. Uh, long-time listeners of this podcast, yes, are there any? Disregarding the new ones, <laughs> may recall a Fab Fact from 2020, many years ago, in which we asked the very important question, does Doppelganger take place in the same universe as the 1971 ITC action series, The Persuaders? Oh, did we ask that? I believe so. Okay. That's what it says here. Yep. Uh, this was down to a copy of John Kane's resignation letter turning up in the first episode of the series. Do you remember that now? I do remember that now, there you yes. Go. 2020, well, was it? Said? 2020. Like last week. I know. Today's fab fact, however, turns up the he's a little. Ooh. Oh, does it? Uh, yes. Firstly, by returning to the world of the Persuaders and exploring two more episodes that featured old Anderson props. Right. The first of these is also from Doppelganger. Uh, and is the fire procedure checklist board that Glenn Ross is asked to read as part of his medical checks following his arrival on the alternate Earth. <laughs> like it. Okay, mm. yeah. That board, still carrying its Eurosec logo, mm -hmm. can be seen in a garage near the start of the Persuaders episode, Element of Risk, which is an episode we've also spoken about previously because it's the one Shane Rimmer guest starred in ah. around the time that he was writing an episode of The Protectors that Persuaders star Tony Curtis was, was originally intended to be I in. I mean, this is good. Oh. Oh. very deep, isn't oh, it? It's getting quite a mess oh. Are you with me so far, though? Because I'm not. Um, uh, another Anderson prop that turned up in The Persuaders is rather more unusual. <laughs> right, OK. We're getting even more oblique now. Yes. A giant white hand. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh, this is very serious. A giant white hand yeah. seen on the Harlington Straker Studios backlot in the UFO episodes Time Lash and Mindbender right. later turned up in the Persuaders episode Five Miles to Midnight uh, in the apartment of a character played by future Space 1999 guest star Joan Collins. Oh, what? Oh, what? What, what indeed? It what? <laughs> uh, but don't worry, right. we now leap from the frying pan into the fire oh, and into the world of another ITC production that was also being filmed at Pinewood Studios around the same time as UFO and the Persuaders. Okay. Are you still with me? Yes, go on. Good, but it's easily far more well-known than both those shows combined. Yes, it is the one, the only, The Fire Chasers. No, 
Black looks all around. No, no. Go on. Yep. Well, yes. Mm. The Fire Chasers was yes. a TV movie produced by ITC in ah. 1971, directed by Future Space Precinct director Sidney Hayes. Oh, I remember him and well. And followed Chad Everett as an insurance investigator investigating a spate of arson attacks in London. Cheerful stuff. God, that just sounds fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Now... Don't worry, there's more. Good. Since it was produced in Pinewood, obviously the set dresses had the same pool of old UFO and doppelganger props to call upon for the fire chasers, and since the story was heavily fire-related, it's not surprising that the Eurosec Fire Procedure uh, Checklist Board <laughs> makes another appearance in, favorite. inside a burning building, they should have used it, uh, near the end of the film. Of perhaps even greater interest, I'm not sure we can manage <laughs> okay. that. But is that possible? Possibly. Uh, of even greater interest is a Daily Express newspaper prop seen near the start of the film, which has on its front page a story about one of the fires. Just above the story, however, the main headline is Cabinet Minister Killed. Ooh. Miracle Escape for US Colonel. Ooh which UFO fans will remember is the event that introduces us to Ed Straker in the first episode of UFO. Hey. So this newspaper layout was created for the UFO episode Exposed, as it's one of the uh, it's the one that Paul Foster confronts Straker with in that story. They've just reprinted it for the Fire Chasers, with the front page amended slightly, uh, most notably replacing the picture of Straker with a picture of a warehouse fire. What a <laughs> right. swap. <laughs> yeah. Now, this, of course, begs another very important question. I bet you're on tenterhooks. Podsterons, do Doppelganger, The Persuaders, UFO, and The Fire Chasers all take place in the, in same, the same universe? universe. What a crossover right there. Wow. Uh, no, but Podsterons, if you're aware uh, of a- any appearances of either the Eurosec Fire Checklist Board, Paul yeah. Foster's newspaper, or Joan <laughs> Collins' giant white hand, never thought I'd say that, in any other production <laughs> shot of Pinewood, please do drop us a line. We really insist that you do. That's amazing. I want all three of those things in the podcast studio for the next podcast. <laughs> they can be recreated, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. Nice. I mean, don't, you can never say that we don't go in depth Absolutely. on the Jerry Anderson podcast. Who, who wrote this Fab Facts book? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Must have an awful lot of time in their hands. Someone, do they do nothing but watch Jerry Anderson shows? I get the feeling that might be required yeah. to, to write that sort of stuff You'd in think. this book. Yeah, yeah. amazing. But what, an, what an incredible author. Yeah. Probably very nice as well. Do you think so? Mm. Where would they rank, do you think, in my top 30? Oh, certainly within the top nine, I imagine. Really? Yeah. That good, eh? That, that good. Mm. Right. <clears throat> yeah, interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm struggling to think what sort of fact that is. Uh, well, I think it's pretty obvious what sort of fact it is. Okay. Mm, you know, the reuse of multiple props. Yes. Yeah, no, mm. not getting there. Okay, no. anyway, well, uh, if you see the fire checklist board, the white hand, or the newspaper, email us podcast at jerryanderson.com. But for now, that brings us very neatly to the very obvious end of this week's <gasps> Real Props fact. fact. Oh, you just said prop fact. I see. But that doesn't indicate... Three yeah, weeks, I, I, I know, three weeks on the trot. Yeah, yeah, but... And you, and you blew it. Yeah, but you didn't blew provide it. context. <laughs> you just said prop fact. I said reuse of prop fact, which gave it a bit more context. But we just had all the context in the fab fact itself. <laughs> you're you're going to have to go on, uh, on, a, on a too much context course. I don't like these courses. <laughs> I think what you're doing by sending me on these courses is actually hammering out any individuality and any character and spontaneity that I was bringing, that I was famous for bringing to the podcast. Famous, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You are famous. I think you're hammering me down in, down into this sort of dull corporate sort of presentation style, yeah, which I don't think suits the, the, the podcast. No, no. 
No, that certainly wouldn't get you a, a review in the Radio Times, would it? They did mention, in fact, in the review that the lack of corporate tone was a major factor in the review being written. Well, why? Well, corporate tone can come in and he can do the podcast <laughs> if he's that blooming good. His friends with Big Al, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, very good. There you go. Uh, now, one thing that I get really excited about and a little bit kind of restless and I start getting, like, spine-tingling oh, things. when we have a curry. No, when I hear the Jerry Anderson news theme. Ah, uh, even better. And I think I can hear it now. Oh, it's coming. Well, hello, and uh, you may be noticing a small change from usual for my location. I bring you this week's Jerry Anderson news from my car on the way back from Scale Model World, the IPMS show in Telford. Uh, so let's get on with this week's Jerry Anderson News. Now at Scale Model World, we revealed a few rather interesting new releases. We previewed the upcoming Eagles, Eagle One and the Rescue Eagle. We were also treated to a very special preview of Bachman's upcoming Troy and Phones from Singray. These are six scale, 12 inch high resin models, hand painted, lovely things, lovely replicas of the, the puppets from the classic series. Uh, and they are on pre-order right now. The first 100 units will be delivered uh, in early December. The next 400 that will be available will not be uh, available until 2024, probably February or March. There's a little while to wait there. So if you do want to get uh, a beautiful Troy and phones before the end of the year, you can go onto the Jerry Anderson store right now, shop.jerryanderson.com, search for Troy or phones, and you'll see them right there. We also previewed at Scale Model World uh, the next item from our upcoming collectible series, a rather stunning Thunderbird 2. Uh, have a look on our social media, you may see some little preview pictures of it, but that will be uh, available to pre-order uh, at the end of Q1, uh, so probably March time, maybe April 2024. Uh, it's a really beautiful thing. I'm very happy. I've been wanting a, a scale model Thunderbird 2 for a really long time, uh, and it is finally here. Another item we previewed was the upcoming special edition Corgi Stingray, limited to 750 worldwide. That'll be going on pre-order in December or January. It's a beautiful thing, a brand new tool from Corgi, uh, and uh, I'm very excited about that one in particular. Maybe a Terrorfish to follow. Space 1999 comic anthologies are finally on their way. I know lots of you have been waiting for them and we've had to uh, take our time over getting them to you, especially if you're outside the UK. So apologies for the delay, but they are now on their way. The complete collection of all the Space 1999 comics from the Look In comic from the 1970s, as well as some of the annuals. It's a great collection for any Space 1999 aficionado. Well, I need to move on from my parking space at the motorway services. So I guess that's it for this week's Jerry Anderson News. Back to Richard and Jamie in the studio. And next time, hopefully, I'll be back in a more normal location. Well, thank you to Uncle Specky, I'm going to call him. <laughs> uncle? Uncle? <laughs> Why not? Why have I become an uncle now? Well, because you're like a friendly avuncular character who delivers all the news every week. Am I? Well, not you, Uncle Specky. Specky. Yeah, OK. Uncle Specky. Say Good. it. Good. Say it. Uncle Specky. You see, it sounds good. Sounds really weird. Yeah, it does sound weird. I'm not sure I'm going to use that again. No, it's creepy. Uh, let's open the door and let in the Podstrons. Okay. This is the voice of the Podstrons. 
Well, not actually letting the Podstrons, because no. there'll be so many of them, we, we don't have a lot of space here, do it's we? It's a very small studio, really. Chris is now reclined on the randomizer sofa, I don't know if you noticed. Being fed grapes by yeah, Ross, which has got a bit that. weird, I don't know why that's yeah. happened. Yeah, but what I mean is, let in their emails. Mm. Yes, o- open the door to their confabulations and uh, missives. Exactly. Stephen Carson, for example, from Edinburgh, you know. Is this a missive? Yes, it is. Good. Uh, I enjoyed the recent stream on Breakaway Day. Hmm. There's been a few streams recently. There's a lot of streams. Terror Hawks, on. I noticed. Them. Yeah, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds yeah. There's more to come. Is there? I don't think there's going to be a Candy and Andy live stream. That's the only <laughs> one I can pretty much guarantee. Anyway, says Stephen, I'm looking forward to seeing the comic anthology. Mm. Uh, while looking at Anderson-related content on YouTube, so many people spend their time doing I know, but it's a great way to spend your day. Yeah. Uh, I stumbled on Malice 1999, Mm. which is a nice homage and features some nice Eagle and Hawk-inspired vehicles, as well as UFOs from that series. Uh, Would be interesting to hear Jamie, Richard and Chris's thoughts on it. Keep up the good work. Stephen Carson, my thoughts on it are that I've never heard of it before. So I know very little about it, but I've seen it a couple of times because people have sent it to me over the years. Yeah. Malice was like a web series, I think. Yeah. And they did a, a Space 1999 homage okay. episode. Okay, right. And it was very, very Space 1999 Was it? Yeah. Costumes and models. Yeah, and, and in, the, in an eagle cockpit and flying oh, around. And, yeah. Like a proper mocked-up eagle cockpit. Yeah. Like not, not green screen, but actually built. Uh, no, like it, was practical. Green, it was green screen. It was green screen. But it was nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ian's been in touch. Oh, yes. What does Ian say? Hi, all. Hello, Ian. That's everyone. Uh, I'm a little bit behind on the podcast, but uh, having watched Pod 275... Oh, not that far behind. I saw the news about the renewal of the licence with ITV, which is great. Right. Um, But Jamie asked us what stories we'd like to hear more of. Yes. However, I just wondered about the Space 1999 novels that had originally been released by Powers Media. Does the new licence give Anton Entertainment access to those novels? No, not technically. Uh-huh. Um, if so, are you likely to re-release them in the UK? So, um, Powis owned the rights to those. Powis recently, um, their licence came to an end with ITV, so the book's unavailable. We are talking to them, actually, to see if there's anything that could be done, but yeah. we can't guarantee it right now. Uh, also, does it give you access to the Thunderbirds novels by Joan Marie Verber? So we found a stock of these books, which were released in the early 2000s originally. Yes, um, they, they sold okay and did, yeah. did all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they did well enough for us to kind of prioritise doing more of those right, right. now, to be, yeah. to be completely honest. Because yeah. um, we can't do everything. Mm. You know, everyone's at maximum bandwidth and beyond already. Yeah. Um, I have a copy of Extreme, Haz- Extreme Hazard, but it would be lovely to buy the other ones in that series. And they're, very hard to get, they're very hard to get hold of in the UK. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, we'll see what we can do, but uh, it's not, not going to be top of the list for now. Mm. I'm guessing those Thunderbirds novels might involve a different licensing issue, correct? But I remember seeing a social media post by Paris Media saying that the licensing deal with ITV had come to an end, and so the 1999 novels would no longer be available, hence the question, yes. Well, oh. there's the context, you see? I you see. see the context. Oh, now I see how important it is. Thank you, oh, Ian. Yeah. Ian, that's great. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we're talking to them, we're seeing what can be done. Uh, it, it's it's not a simple thing. It's not like, oh, we'll just flip a switch and press a button and print yeah. books. Yeah. There's all sorts of licensing requirements and I stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been looked into. Can't make any guarantees, but we'll do our best. Great. Uh, greetings, gentlemen, says Peter Dernan. Greetings, Peter Dernan. I'm watching Thunderbirds on Talking Pictures. It's just nice to watch it weekly. Mm. 
appointment viewing. Yeah, Edge of Impact is the latest episode to be shown. Uh, and I've just noticed the sign by the TV mast that the hood uses to attract the red arrow. It shows the name British Telecommunications, which, of course, in 1965 didn't exist under that name because BT was created in 1981. Ah. Once again, Jerry Anderson predicting the future. Absolutely. Uh, been with the podcast from the beginning, always entertaining and informative. You see, and that that's me doing it the old way. He's saying that was entertaining and informative. That was before the courses and all your context and Brackets, but etymology. context, it says here. But he so. doesn't mention etymology. He says, but, but just a word. I, I do think it's lacking some etymology. He'll be writing that now. Uh, Podcasts, if you're missing the etymology, please do email us podcast at jerryanson.com uh, with the subject line, where's the etymology? <laughs> Keep on keeping on. Best regards, Peter Dunn. Thank you, Peter. No. I have one from Stephen Watson. Oh, yes. I don't know if he mentions uh, context I doubt it. or no, etymology. No, Let's he find won't out. mention it. No, because I was doing just fine, so he won't mention it. Okay, well, he says, dear yep. fab GAP crew. Oh, Jerry yes. Anderson. I see, yes. Crew. Do you yes. get it? Mm-hmm. Genevieve Gaunt and Chris Dale's randomizer meeting in pod 276 whilst channeling the Duchess of Royston and Lady Bracknell had me in absolute stitches. <laughs> More, please. <laughs> well, Genevieve's not around for this one, but no. maybe, maybe Chris will treat us. Yes. I'm really liking the video opportunity to view your lovely guests and your handsome selves, <laughs> of course. Winky face. That's the emoji. He wasn't calling you winky face. Um, and it's a real bonus of the new format, as well as getting to see the randomizer even though I was expecting something bigger. So, Look, you can't please all the people all the time. It's not all about the size, That's uh, exactly Stephen. Right. That's you know, right. yeah. that, that randomizer's done a very, very good job. Since the last... I mean, Chris hasn't complained about it. No, exactly. And he's the one that has to, you know... Lug it around all over the place. Yeah. yeah, imagine if it was bigger. Yeah. Finally, I wonder if you'd be able to repeat the favour you kindly gave me way back in pod 25. This is an iOS app equivalent of the cardboard coding wheel available to agents in TV Century 21 magazine back in the 60s to to decode the red and blue messages at the bottom of certain pages in the magazine. Yes. I've updated the app several times since that distant pod, but a recent update lets it use the image to text feature that surely any self-respecting secret agent would need to snap those codes in a hurry uh, when on a mission. Right. I thought you might like to know, uh, like, might like them to know that on my behalf. My webpage for the app is blacktablet.co.uk forward slash identicode.html and or just search for Identicode on the App Store. Amazing. There you go. Thanks to you all for so much fun over the years and years and years and uh, FAB, of course, from Stephen Watson. Stephen, that's great. I, I love d- the fact that there's an yes. Identicode app. Well done. Brilliant. I, mean, I'm a, I remember that. And that was Pod 25. I remember that email from him. Yeah, uh, yes. <gasps> Pod 25. Long time ago. All those years ago. Yeah. Doesn't that, I can't, did we do it in person then? I can't remember how we used to do it. Uh, we used to record on little on our HD uh, SD cards, didn't we? And I used to have to send you the file afterwards, and then it was all mixed. You oh, used to mix it in those days. I did. I used to edit, didn't I? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Daniel McGregor says, "Hi guys, I really enjoyed those audio adventures and dramas for Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, and Stingray. I'm looking forward to more. Good, because there probably will be more. But I probably can't, can't guarantee it. Can't you? Or is that just your way of no, saying there'll no, be more? can't guarantee anything. Right. Okay. We don't. We generally. I mean, I broke this rule once very recently for the Terror Hawks um, anniversary audio story. But generally, we don't announce things until they've been recorded. Yes. Okay. Because. But, but I broke my own rule because. Because anything could happen. Do you mean? And it's not done until it's done. Well, exactly. Yeah. You never know. You think everything's coming together, and then yeah. somebody suddenly gets. You know, an actor gets a job on an eighteen-month piece in you know Budapest Thailand, or something. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. More exotic than me. Well, that's what I, just uh, in my own dreams. Yeah. I mean, they're suddenly unavailable. Yeah. Um, and then that ruins everything. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all for now, podcast at jerryanderson.com. It really is that easy to get in touch. If you want to hear us reading out your email, well, you've got to send it in first before we can articulate them verbally. Is that context or is that over-explaining? I'm now? not even bothering about context because I've realised none of those emails are about how I lacked context in the first 282 pods. So I'm no. just going to do it my own way. No, the whole thing was just a wee so that Roz could get you into the woods banging a drum. <laughs> I knew it! Yeah, no context required for that oh, one. Oh, gosh. Uh, now, we've had the news, we've had Fab Facts, we've had our wonderful podstrongs. Mm. Would you like to have a guest uh, in the chair? I mean, whether I say yes or no, it doesn't really change. That's going to happen because it's what you call a format point. Absolutely, and I love a format point, so bring on the guest, I'm out of here. Off you pop. From the Tomorrow People to today's podcast, our guest this week has jaunted in from an illustrious career spanning the likes of Kessler, Crown Court, and, of course, Space 1999. He's here to tell us all about his experience and work and book. It's Nicholas Young. Uh, Well, I'm glad to see we didn't put you off. No, no, no. no. You're back again. I'm back again. Or did you just have business in Slough and thought you'd drop in? I think I negotiated a better fee, no? <laughs> That's what you told me. Uh, now, last time you acquitted yourself very uh, notably uh, with eight points on super identification, which ain't bad at all, mm. uh, looking at the early credits of, of Jerry Anderson. We spoke, of course, a little bit about the Tomorrow People, and we looked at uh, a clip of you in action from Crown Court. Yeah. Uh, so... For the next half hour, I'd like to really concentrate, if we can, on what you can remember uh, of your Space 1999 story, The Bringers of Wonder. Now, are you aware of the um, idea that there's a a difference in, uh, shall we say, quality between Series 1 and Series 2 of uh, Space 1999 amongst the fans? Um, Can't say I noticed very much. Um, I thought it was all quite quite well produced. And I think the money was where it should be. It was on the screen. Yes. Um, it was, dare I say it, infinitely better than the Tomorrow People technically. Yeah. Um, and Streets Ahead of Doctor Who, which was also technically quite appalling in yeah. those days. It isn't now, but it was then. Yeah. But I, I didn't really have any criticism of Space 1999. I think it was quite well made. Yeah. Um, the, the spacecraft was good. Moonbase Alpha was good. It yeah. Was, no, I thought it was good. Now, what are your specific memories? Do you remember your audition, for example? For? For Space, space. 1999. Um... It was cast by Leslie DePettit, who mm-hmm. cast most of them, who I knew very well um, personally. When I say personally, I knew her because I worked as an agent and as an actor at the same time. I think she almost opened the door for me, really. Right. Um, Tomorrow People was already out, and I suppose Jerry must have known that. Yeah. Um, so I don't recall whether I actually read for it or I was just asked yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I auditioned. If I did, I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's have a look uh, at you in action uh, from Bringers of Wonder, Space 1999. Okay. Oh, come on, I'll introduce you. Helen she was lovely. She's only just died, hasn't she? Yes, yeah, senior. He's a pilot. We were going to get married on my you always did take that view. You knew each other before? Dr. Shaw was my tutor at medical college. He taught me everything there is to know about being a doctor. Mm. 
And there we what are. A lovely couple we make. You make an absolutely delightful couple. Mm. How sweet to be uh, Xenia Merton's love interest. She for, was lovely. Uh, yeah, she was lovely. Story, yeah. Mm. And do you have uh, specific memories of, of filming? Uh, I guess, I think each episode was filmed over two weeks, so I'm guessing you were needed days here and there. Intermittently, yeah. yeah. Called back as and when. Yeah. Wasn't there every day. Yeah, at yeah. Pinewood Studios. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, I, I See, this is why I say I don't remember being interviewed by Jerry, because I did see him in the car park. Ah, um, and he's got. A, he had exactly the same car then that I still own. Oh right. Um, which was a, I think his was a '67 or a '68 yeah. Silver Shadow Rolls Royce. I see. I yeah. see. And do you remember much of the camaraderie on set? I mean, the, the whole idea of the story is that the aliens are fooling uh, the Moonbase Alphans that they are friends, lost friends yeah. and family from Earth. Yes. And there are those wonderful scenes where they're all meeting up in the uh, mission control, mm. which seem full of joy and spontaneity. Is that how you remember it? Yeah, we all got on very well. I mean, the danger of coming into somebody else's programme is that you feel excluded. Yeah. Um, sometimes they make it deliberately so. Right. And others are very welcoming. Yeah. And I found everybody on that very welcoming. Yeah. Uh, Comfortable and straight away. And uh, scenes of Barbara Bain and Martin Landau. Yeah, saying, were were well, you starstruck at all, or did that not enter your, your you head? You know what? I, I mean, it sounds a bit arrogant, but I've never been starstruck. Yeah. Um, if you're working with good actors, they don't try and big time you, they don't try and make you feel uncomfortable or yeah. awkward. Um, most good actors are, we're, we're all in the same business. We have yeah. good times, we have bad times. Sometimes we work a lot, sometimes we don't work at all. Yeah. Um, I, I just one of the things I've loved about the business is the camaraderie. Ah, right. Uh, company player, would you say you are? Uh, you mean as an actor? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think anybody could accuse me of being big time, do you? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, um, <laughs> now, uh, let's uh, uh, go back to uh, um, uh, the world of Jerry Anderson. And in our very brief email exchange before uh, you came to join us, I asked you to uh, tell me your uh, one of your favourite Anderson moments or characters or scenes. And uh, this is what you chose. Have a look at this. <laughs> Reminds me of a story, yeah. You may tell it, yeah, of a famous actor who better be nameless, long since dead, who owned a Rolls Royce. And he told me that he always used to carry a chauffeur's cap on the seat. I said, <laughs> Why on earth did you do that? He said, Well, whenever I had one too many to drink, I would put the chauffeur cap on, on the principle that the police would never stop a chauffeur oh, driving a Rolls Royce. Right. Apparently, the ruse worked. Oh, gosh. Disgraceful story. I don't encourage anybody to do it, but there you are. Uh, so you chose uh, Lady Penelope and Parker, mm. and I, I picked that mm. scene to illustrate. What was it about their relationship or dynamic that particularly took your fancy? The voice of Parker was an absolute joy. That's yeah. a pompous yeah. cockney trying to sound a bit posh. Yeah. Um, 
Lady Penelope so elegant. Of course, it was Sylvia Anderson herself, wasn't Indeed. it? Indeed, yeah. that's right. Um, and, of course, the beautiful car, a, yeah. a, a real-life a live version of which I saw at the Sci-Fi Centre in Leicester one, yeah. one, one uh, year. Yes, right. I don't think it was actually a Rolls, but never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think it was the mix of the whole thing. It was beautifully played. Yeah. Well acted, yeah. um, nicely photographed. Yeah, the, the famous prop Fab One. Yeah, uh, you know, with the number plate FAB One, mm-hmm. which is another interest of mine. Yes, you know. we'll talk about that shortly. Yes. Um, no, it was just a bit of fun. I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah. yeah. When you um, were filming Space 1999, were you aware, obviously you were aware that Jerry had made Thunderbirds and so on, but did you feel part or do you feel part of that lineage and that legacy somehow? Um, I think I think it's become so because all these programs have become cult programs. Yeah. I don't think at the time you realised what you were getting yourself into, really. Yeah. I mean, up to then, Jerry was known really principally for, for puppets. Yeah. Super marionation. That's it. Um, so this was a relatively new idea. I think I I probably, by the time I'd reached that age, probably preferred the live action ones mm. to, to the puppets because that's mm. more something that amuses you as a child, I mm. think. Um, but you don't realise you're going to be part of something great until it's too late. <laughs> you wake up and it's happened. Yes. Well, we often say on the podcast, Jamie and I, that, of course, they made these programmes, Space 1999 yeah. included, to be seen once. Yes. There was no oh, absolutely. idea that they would be repeated yeah. or Blu-ray, um, DVD and so there on. There were, of course, if you had a video recorder, which I did. But <laughs> yeah. I was uh, a very rare animal. Has it um, surprised you, the longevity of both The Tomorrow People and things like Space 1999? I know you're... A, not not a mainstay, but certainly a, a, a regular on the convention circuit. Does it surprise you that uh, people have... No, because your childhood... I mean, I, I know it's corny to say this, uh, school days are the best years of your life and mm. all that. Yeah. But as a child, generally speaking, everything's taken care of by others. Yeah. You don't have the same sort of worries and anxieties you do as an adult. Yeah. Um, people feel, on the whole, fairly cosy about it. I know, obviously, people had an unhappy childhood. Yeah. That's the, probably the period in our lives when we look back to and think that things were safe then, things were okay then. Mm -hmm. But what reminds you of that more than anything? Mm -hmm. Childhood television. Before TV, it might have been a a radio programme, but before that, it might have been your favourite book. You could immerse yourself in maybe one of the famous five or Secret Seven or whatever. But I think that's the trick to it. And um, clearly the people I see now at these conventions, some of them are in their 60s and 70s, and they've got children and grandchildren who they've managed to rope into these programmes. But... um, yeah, I mean, in the same way people used to rush home from school to see the Tomorrow People as part of my life. It, it got me through puberty and ang- all the anxieties mm. I had at school and so mm-hmm. forth. It clearly meant a great deal to them. Now, you can't be aware of it at the time. It's mm. one of those things that slowly but surely you begin to realise the effect you're having on people. Yeah. Cults, a cult TV develops. It's not there instantaneously, or very yeah. rarely, anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, now, uh, many of our viewers and listeners think very highly of you, Nicholas, and oh. they've been uh, telling us that by sending us in some oh, questions for wish you. my mother would stop. <laughs> so if you'd like to dig in there and uh, answer some questions sent in by our viewers and listeners. Um, Paul Hyde, did you enjoy making the remake of The Tomorrow People? Uh, yes, very much indeed. So when was this? This was 2013. Oh, right. Um, made by Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. We filmed it in Vancouver, which is a stunningly beautiful part of Canada. Um, yeah, the story behind that was I heard that they were going to do a remake of The Tomorrow People um, and it was produced by somebody who claimed to be a fan of The Tomorrow People. And I thought, well, this producer's far too young. How's he going to remember The Tomorrow People? It's called Greg Berlanti. Um, 
and I asked him the question when I met him, and he said, well, you've got to remember that Tomorrow People went out in America 10 years later. All right. So it was part of his childhood. Yes, in the 80s um, then. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I heard he was going to make it, I just dropped him a line, and I said, are you going to make it? Good luck with it. Might be rather fun to have me in it doing a Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. Just walking past the window, and somebody suddenly does it. Yeah. And then it's gone. Um, I heard nothing, so I thought, oh, well, that was a good idea gone bad. Um, then I got a request to test for the role of Tim, who was, of course, the computer. That's it. Um, but with no notes. So I went in and did a recording. Didn't know whether they wanted an American, Canadian, British, whatever. So I did various versions of it. And didn't hear another word, so I thought, oh, well, obviously I'd lost my touch. <laughs> um, then all of a sudden, in the October of that year, 2013, got a call pretty much out of the blue saying, uh, can you come to America in three weeks' time? Well, in fact, I'd booked a holiday with my wife, ah. so, so of course the answer was yes. Um, <laughs> and, but I said, I thought you'd given up on me because I didn't hear a word back. Yeah. And he said, well, we thought the idea of just having you in for a few seconds was a waste. We thought, so we've written a nice little part for you, a couple of episodes. Well, that's nice to hear. Um, so off I went to play a British, I couldn't play the same part. I did look in the mirror and see, but I, mm. I think it probably stretched a tiny bit. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so this was to play a British scientist. Um, who had some dirt on the original Tomorrow People. Um, and again, a little difficult the line sometimes because they were hugely technical yeah. in a sci-fi sort of way. Yeah. Um, and then when I got over there, they, again, they gave me a round of applause when I, very much like you did today. It was well, utterly there we are. charming. It they were around. real technicians and there were about 40 of them. <laughs> um, yeah, they gave me a round of applause, which was welcomed me in straight away. It was really yeah. nice of them. Yeah. Um, so filming it was great fun. But I said to the leading young actor who played me in the, in the show, um, what do you think about having me in this? And he said, well, I was a bit worried when I heard you were going to be in it. I wondered if you'd forgotten how to act. Charming. How dare you. <laughs> it was never. Um, well, well. So they are. Okay. He was assured. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, one more question. Let's ah, see what else we can okay. find in them. What else have we got? Ah, just happened to pick this out at random. Oh, yeah, it's funny mm -hmm. that. Laura Miller, did you know you were a heartthrob to lots of teenage girls? <laughs> absolutely no idea. Well, why on earth would I think such a thing? But there's a serious point there, isn't there, about the responsibility, perhaps, as a leading actor in a TV show for younger people, for children, um, about how you act among them and how you talk to them when you meet them. What, did you ever feel that on your shoulders? Yes, absolutely. Um, first thing is to reply to every fan letter you get, or ah. at least if you haven't got the time, get somebody else to do it on your yeah. behalf, send a photograph and an autograph or whatever. And we did all that to start yeah. with. And when we met them, opening a fate or whatever it was we were doing, um, again, welcoming them and being very friendly. Um, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I never took advantage of that position. Yeah. Um, it was a strictly professional relationship. Yeah. But it was interesting. We had a, an actor called Francis DeWolf, who was a big movie star, and he was in The Tomorrow People. Um, and he said, when when he was a, 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 as if I'm quoting him, when I was a star in the 50s, we were on a silver screen and untouchable. Mm. And we were admired by everybody. Mm. And he said, as soon as we started appearing on television and we're in the corner of your living room, mm. people would come up and say, ah, Francis, how are you doing, mate? All right? Yes, uh, yes. And he said, that magic was gone. Ah. And I think there's certainly an element of that. People feel you're much more approachable nowadays. And that's a good thing, surely. Something compounded by social media as well, even oh, more absolutely. so these well, days. Everyone's a star nowadays anyway. That's right. I mean, you've got to remember in those days, to do a show that had nearly 70 episodes is unheard of. Yeah. And there were only effectively two channels to choose from. Yeah. There was BBC Two, but it wasn't really an entertainment channel. Yeah. Um, 
So it was phenomenal. You were you either watched the Tomorrow People or you watched Blue Peter. That's or it. You, uh, so millions upon millions of people at a time were watching you. That's right. And, and around the world. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, and it was very gratifying. Of course, you like to be appreciated. Yeah. I know I'm not here, but I was then. Yeah. <laughs> you, are, you are very much appreciated, Nicholas. Uh, and to prove it, we're going to take another look at a, a fine example of your work. Ah. This is from a series that I also remember being entranced by, but it's a little bit too old for me. But I was captivated by the idea of it, and we'll discuss it a bit more. This is Kessler. Let's have a look at this. Ah, uh, yes, I remember shooting this in Russell Square. Aha. Uh -huh. My father's taking money with him. This time it's different. He went to the bank in Zurich. So that's what he needed the messenger for. I think he's transferring money from his own account. Possibly his last personal contribution to the organisation. I think he means to leave Germany for good. What about the house and the factory? Well, there was a time I assumed he'd leave that to me. I know it isn't the case now. Well, he would have provided for me very adequately. I know that he loves me. There's something he loves more. Something he's waiting for and living for. Well, it won't come through those old fools in South America. I'm frightened that it won't come at all. I think he went to Zurich himself because he used to move a very great deal of money that no one else could. You mean the party funds that have been there since the end of the war? Probably billions by now. Uh, you say shot at Russell Square? The, uh, well, no, we, the, the exterior. I was going to say. I mean, that's the thing, the difference between something like Space 1999, which is all done on film, and yeah. it's, it's seamless. Yeah. Um, I used to find this horribly unacceptable on The Tomorrow People and every other TV drama. You'd shoot the studio stuff on videotape, mm -hmm. and then you'd go through a door and suddenly you were on 16mm grainy shot yeah. film out, outside. Yeah. So the exteriors were shot outside the Russell Hotel in I Russell see. Square. Gotcha. And then cut, and once you're inside, of course, that's BBC Studios White City, I think it was filmed. Six episodes, is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, telling the story, I remember Clifford Rose playing Kessler. Yes. Um, as an ex, uh, as an ex, as a Nazi officer, yes, or, uh, effectively on the run, who had escaped and was um... not quite. He was uh, he disappeared after the war. Yeah, uh, he was in the Schutzstaffel, the yeah. SS, um, and he'd become a, a German industrialist under a different name. Yeah, and um, but he was part of the uh, this. Uh, group of retired Nazis, if they ever retire, mm. who'd gone to live in South America. <laughs> yeah. And they were all dreaming of the day when Nazi, yes. Nazis were going to take over Germany again. That's it. I mean, plausible then, because it was 1980. Uh, exactly right. They, yeah. And a lot of them were still alive, yeah. aging, but still alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that was the loose plot, and I was his right-hand man. Mm. Yeah. Um, the trouble with that one was that, again, I was brought in at the last minute. This is the story of my life. Um, well, I mean, we were hoping to have... Um, yes, no. I know. He couldn't make it. I made sure of it. Um, so uh, we didn't discuss the accent. Right, now, Clifford yes. Rose doesn't do a German accent. No. But he has a brilliant speech rhythm, which makes you think he, he does. Um, we were doing the pre-filming yeah. uh, down at Brentford, Dock, I think it was, where yeah. I, I kicked the Jewish girl in the drink. Yeah. Um, and that was the very first time I'd met any of them. Right. And there was no table read. There was no discussion on how we were going to play it. So I was doing the soft German accent. Mm -hmm. Then when we got to the uh, rehearsals and the reading of these, the read-through, I suddenly realised that nobody else was doing a German accent. 
but it was too late. That had been immortalised. Right. So you'll notice in the film sequences I'm speaking ah. like Sir John, and in other sequences I'm not. <laughs> right. And that will stay with you forever. That's indelible now, isn't it? That's the trouble with film, isn't it? I don't mind going back and <laughs> dubbing it free of charge yeah, yeah. to get it right. Uh, also notably, uh, that series features Jerome Willis uh, in, a, in a regular role as well, who then went on many years later. to work, Well, I worked with him on, on Space Precinct, another of Jerry's... Um, yeah, it had a very fine cast. I mean, sadly, uh, Talking Pictures wanted to do a, a, one of their live shows, yeah. uh, a reunion, and yeah. wanted me to front it. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm happy to do it, but I said, I don't think you're going to find anybody still alive. Alison Glennie, who was my lover in mm-hmm. that, um, is about the only one. Yeah. And sadly, that turned out to be the truth, there so that, that idea had to be abandoned. This is called Cute, Mute or Recruit. Right. Now, over the previous weeks, our various guests have been helping us to build our own international rescue, okay? Mm. But it's featuring characters from all of Jerry's shows. So we've had Professor Bergman from Space 1999. Um, We've had Lady Penelope herself. Um, Now, our previous guest, Mark Braxton, chose three characters for you to choose from. It's up to you to decide which you want to mute. In other words, you don't want to hear from again. Which you think is quite cute, that could be funny, attractive, or whatever it might be, and which you actually want to recruit for your international rescue. And here are your three options. We have Titan from Stingray, mute, cute, or recruit. Here are your other options. Rather fittingly, it's Dr. Helena Russell, played by Barbara Bain from Space 1999. And finally, we have Troy Tempest. So I might be giving away all sorts of secrets about my predilections here. (laughs) Which would you mute? Which would you not want to hear from again, do you think? Oh, I think the bad he needs to go, the one in the center. Ah, yes, there we go. There goes Titan. Give you nightmares, that's Yeah, so uh, one of these is cute, and one of them you would recruit for our cause. Um... Well, Barbara's cute. Of course yeah. she's cute. Oh, I would she's say gorgeous so. in that clip. I Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, so there we go. So Barbara Rain's cute, which means you will recruit Troy Tempest, which I think is a very good choice to join our international wrestling team. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Thank you, Nicholas. Now, just before we go, there is one final clip that I would like to show uh, our viewers and for our listeners to hear, which touched me rather when I saw it and when I found it. You look touched. Yes, well, thank yes. you. Many people say so. Mm. So let's have a look at this, finally. Come on then. (laughs) There's not many of us in the room. Uh, The reason why that touched me so much is because, from my point of view, it sort of demonstrates a sense of ownership uh, of your part of your legacy as an actor in The Tomorrow People, Mm. which some actors find difficult or would shy away from. Mm. Um, And yet you seem to enjoy that, or at least you've accepted it. Is that the case? Yeah, I think accepted is a good good way of putting it. (laughs) Funnily enough, that piece of music, um, years ago I thought I really must learn how to work that one out. It's actually... It's not suitable. It's too complex. It's, yes. it's radiophonic workshop type. Well, of course, it was Dudley Simpson. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, my partner in that, who's actually was teaching my son to play the guitar, he had worked out uh, an acoustic version of it on the guitar. And I said to him, that sounds really good. Why don't we have a go at yeah. doing the electronic version? Yeah. So, yeah, so we sat down and it didn't take us too long to work it out and came up with that result. And I'm actually quite proud of it. Yeah, it's lovely. It was great fun. Yeah. Um, 
But why not embrace it? It was so many people's childhood. It made a lot of people very happy. It may well have disturbed a few and <laughs> driven them around the bend. I yeah, don't know. Absolutely. Um, it was so many people's childhood. It was a major part of my life. There's no point pretending it wasn't. Yeah. Um, was it the swan song of my career? Very nearly. Um, <laughs> but uh, there were all sorts of reasons why I didn't carry on being an actor. And as you know, I'm still available, mm. provided, um, mm. well, provided the fee is right. For a fish finger um, sandwich, yeah. But, uh, there you go, yes. <laughs> um, and a packet of crisps. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always say old actors never die. Their paths just get smaller. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I love acting, but yeah. that said... You've got to realise that you, you, the world's moved on, you're not right for the roles that are around, you haven't matured sufficiently, you're not masculine enough or whatever the, mm -hmm. whatever they're looking for at the mm. time. Um, there's no good beating yourself over the head about it. You yeah. just have to accept the way it is. Now, finally, Nick, it would be remiss of me to let you go without at least mentioning your book, which we were speaking about oh. earlier, which is of a specific and particular interest. Mm. So I'll give you 30 seconds to tell us about it and where we can find it. Right, it's called Car Number Classics. Um, it, it covers the first 10 or 11 owners of uh, every registration number issued in England and Wales um, as of the 1st of January 1904, when compulsory vehicle registration came into force. It also includes quite a few Irish and quite a few Scottish. It's got biographies, as I say, of, of probably, a, probably a thousand biographies mm. uh, of the movers and shakers of the day. And it also covers motorcycles, so there's an awful lot of people from other backgrounds and um, walks of life. There are some fascinating stories in there. It, yeah. it covers every aspect of Tinker Taylor Soldier. Yes. Rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, a whole lot are in there. Um, it's um, a fascinating book. And can be found? Uh, eBay's probably the easiest. Right. But if you want to go to carnumberclassics.com yeah. give you all the details there how to buy it right. um, where to get it from and if, if Christmas is coming shortly it is um, and if this programme is being repeated in 2036 and Christmas is coming <laughs> there's probably a few left in the garage so why don't you get one <laughs> there you go uh, Nicholas it's been a personal pleasure to uh, welcome you to the Jerry Anderson podcast as one of my childhood heroes uh, so it's been so nice to meet you and thank and you, you for too. joining us thank you it's Nicholas Young everybody <laughs>
He is lovely. And I say he's lovely because he's invited me round to lunch more than once, and I've yet been able to make it. Oh, that's not very nice. It's going to happen. Uh, if I can be totally honest, says Peter, when Terror Hawks was first screened, I did feel a little disappointed, as I thought it was a bit of a step backwards. <sighs> However, oh? having seen it several times now, I realise I'm an idiot. His words. We often have that realisation yes. about ourselves, <laughs> we all about <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> very rude. Uh, because actually, I think it's a brilliant and very unique series, similar in some ways to the other Super Mario Nation series, of course, but has its own charm, and I feel guilty for my early feelings. I was nevertheless merely a youngster of 27, so hadn't gained the wisdom of age at the time. Well, don't worry, Peter. All is forgiven. Oh, uh, yeah. Wisdom does come with uh, Terrorhawk's exposure. Does it? Yes. That's an actual thing, is it? Yeah, is yeah. that what happens? It's, 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 it's uh, medically proven. Okay. Mm. Good. Good. Uh, <laughs> the Dunk. One. Oh yes, this is Duncan Moss on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I don't like these new YouTube it's usernames weird, that come it? up. Why don't they just say what they had said before? Yeah. Anyway, Duncan says, "Hi guys, the first broadcast of Terrorhawks was 8th of October on Southern Television what? Saturday morning, not the Sunday. What? Most of the other regions went for the 9th for 30 Sunday slot the next day. I only remember this because at the time I was so upset that any station could put a new Jerry Anderson show on in the morning. Oh, how dare they? Yes, how very dare they? That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? We forget, don't we, that." ITV was split up into these regions. And That's... they were laws, laws unto themselves. Absolutely. They did whatever they wanted. Yeah, it's odd now, isn't it? Yeah. You, yes, consider that now. Uh, Dan Leclear, 4770. That could yeah, be. Yeah, we know him. Yeah. Oh, do we? Yeah. Do we? Yeah, of the 4770 family. Oh, right, yeah, of course. He's on the Christmas card list. Absolutely. Hey, guys, love your podcast. Have you ever heard of an original design for a new Thunderbirds vehicle? No. No, yes. Who would do I mean, such a thing? They were all, well, they were all designed originally. Those yes. were the original designs. And then but, people have tried to redesign them over the years for various projects, including yeah. aborted films and TV series and all sorts of things. So they're, they're all over the place. I think that's a good one for our Podstrons, though. Mm. Uh, if you were to design a brand new Thunderbirds vehicle, I don't mean, you know, redesign. No, I mean, but a brand new vehicle, and what does it do and why? Exactly. I mean, you're, you're entering Thunderbird 6 territory here. Yes, yes. And Jeff being really weird to brains about wanting a new vehicle. Right. Touch, no love. Sorry about that. Well, no, I just always feel very sorry for brains. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, anyway, people have been commenting on the Danger and Deception audio trailer. Oh, I bet they have. Uh, and this very uh, snappily named user... Uh, JAJ Productions Fruitcake Phil 8489 <laughs> yes. says, I'm so glad you're keeping Mr. Steelman as the story of how Penny and Parker met. I'd love to hear more standalone Lady Penelope stories adapted this way. Oh, okay. Tell us about that. Well, it's adapted from the comic, yes. from the Lady Penelope comic. Yes. And it's about Mr. Steelman, yes. who is a robot. Right. A robot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. It, it, one of the various origin stories of how Penelope and Parker met. So, Are you sort of cementing it in stone then by producing it, saying I'm, this is the way we yeah, see forging it? Forging it in steel, surely. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't think we are necessarily. Okay. Yeah. This, this isn't a kind of an exercise in, because we've selected this one, that's it forever. You know, there is no other explanation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, it's good. Mm, great. Uh, Screen Blaster 1-3 says, sounds FAB, I can't wait for its release. I've already ordered it. Well, that's the correct course of action. Good, isn't it? Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, there's also, uh, very occasionally, some fab facts posted on the YouTube channel. Everyone's favourite. Yep. I think uh, that and the randomizer get their own special little thing, don't they? Yeah. Why's that? 
Oh, just people love them so much. Do they? Yeah, what they're super keen. Yeah, really love them. Yeah. Uh, S. Morris 12 says, there was an interview with one of the model makers. Ah, yes. So this is talking, remember we spoke about some uh, film trickery, the flip-flopped uh, number Flop. on some... Um, yes. Yes, trapped in the sky, I think it was. Um, there was an interview with one of the model makers a while ago who stated that some models were only fully finished on one side to save work that wouldn't be seen. Hence the in-advance knowledge that the shot would have to be flipped to make geographical sense. Yes. Interesting. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's a bit like I don't put any makeup on this side of my face when I do the podcast because yeah. no one ever sees it. No, why would you? I never shave this side of the face either. Yeah. I've actually got a really long beard here. Yeah. Because no one will ever see it. It's like I don't wear any trousers for the close up shots, but I put them back on for the wides. So. You do one now? Yeah, see? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Dave Costello560 says This is so enjoyable, such innocent, nerdy fun. That, I mean, that should be a review That's of the podcast. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. He was actually talking about fan facts. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, then he says Jamie, I've just heard your interview on the Scarred for Life podcast series and loved it. What? You yeah. get around, don't you? I do, yes. Is Ev- one podcast everywhere. not enough? Well, I wasn't guesting on it. Um, Even the Spy Hards podcast a few weeks ago? Months. Was it? Yeah. Anyway, he's going to say something else nice. So Is it about me? No, it's about me. Oh. He said you're doing your dad such a service by, by bringing his work to a new generation and keeping it alive in new mediums for the old ones. Thank you. Well, now that, that nice? is true. Yeah. Well, we're all doing that. It's yeah. definitely not just down to me. That is true as well, actually. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm mostly on other podcasts, really, these days. <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, right. 320 Right. P- possibly 32 million, 55,064, do you think? Is Whoever that it is, mean? that seems to be their user handle. That can't be right, but that's what I copied and pasted. Well, maybe into. they're the 32 millionth, 55,064. Well, then you want user. to know something rather pertinent, actually. Right. Where can I get hold of the book you're reading from? Ah, well, uh, you can easily get co- uh, hold of a copy of Fab Facts by being one of the co hosts of the Jerry Anson podcast. Right. Um, other than that, currently it is not available <laughs> to the public, but we are looking to remedy that uh, in yeah. the not too distant future. I see. There you go. Uh, but if you have some time to spare, why not head to the YouTube channel? I guarantee it'll be time well spent. You'll stumble across probably something you didn't know was even a Jerry Anderson series, I reckon. You'll find out something new about a Jerry Anderson series that you thought you knew all about, I reckon. And more importantly, you will feel enthused mm-hmm. to shout out from your bedroom window to the street below, I love the Jerry Anderson podcast and I want to tell the world. Gosh. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. For the first email from a podstron yeah who sends a video yes to podcast at jerryanson.com yes of them shouting out of their bedroom and i do mean shouting yes proper shouting out their bedroom yeah. window i love, I love the jerry, jerry anderson podcast, podcast and i want to tell the world then uh, a prize will be sent to you for your um your vigorous endorsement well great look forward to that can it be me can i do it and send it in no no uh, oh the, i see contributors to the podcast and and entertainment team cannot uh Compete with oh, this. Okay. Curse, curse the small print. I cannot wait for these. Yeah. Please, Great. Please, please do send them in. All for now, but I think it's about time we gave Chris Dale something to do, don't you? Well, it stop him lying on the sofa again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Eating those grapes. Yeah. Mm. Come on, Chris, over to you. Wake up. So, Nicholas, you, uh, you've come back to join us for the, the, the second week, but um, if you don't mind me saying so, you look a bit uncomfortable sat there. Is, is there anything bothering you? Well, um, there is actually. Oh, what's that? Oh! Oh, let me have a look at that. Now this. Oh, oh dear. 
Well, now this is very interesting because uh, there was a series that Jerry Anderson made in the mid-50s called You've Never Seen This. And um, I've never episodes, seen that. Well, no, you wouldn't have, no. Hence the title. Ah. Uh, episodes 2, 5, and 6 are currently known to survive. This is episode 3. Right. Yes, so I can tell you you're very shocked by this. We have found a missing episode you, of You've Never Seen This. And you let me sit on it. And I let you sit on it, yes. Um, I wouldn't say that's you know, reduced its value in it. No, I would say it's enhanced. Yes, and you're very welcome to uh, you know, put it back there. And uh, in the meantime, yes, you've never seen this, which we haven't. So, what a surprise. Uh, our first visit to You've Never Seen This on the Randomizer. And it opens with, uh, shall we say, a moment from Reporter. Did you find the woman with ten brains, Mr. Collins? Say, if he found a woman with one, that'd be a novelty in itself. Anyway, that aside, <laughs> so you've never seen this. Uh, it's, this is indeed the first time we have seen this on the randomizer. Uh, it was a series produced in the mid-50s, uh, Jerry Anderson's first directing job, in which the host uh, went around Europe meeting people who could do strange and unusual things. Uh, there are three complete surviving episodes, one of which was released on the Lost World DVD, uh, then this incomplete episode and two complete episodes were, were turned up by network a couple of years ago. Uh, episodes five and six are available on the Super Colorization uh, Blu-ray. But this one, they didn't release for some reason. I have no idea why. Uh, it is incomplete, unfortunately. Uh, and um, if you look at the end of episode two, it uh, does say that uh, next week, I'm going to meet a man who hypnotizes alligators. So I'm betting that that is what this episode would have opened with. Uh, a man who hypnotized alligators. Uh, I have to wonder if perhaps that's why the, the first, five episode, uh, first five minutes of this episode are missing. Possibly the hypnosis did not go well. Led in terror ah. to his castle in the middle of the Rhine. So this is, we're now in Germany. And the starving people were avenged. Hooray! I, I don't know what the starving people needed to be avenged for, other than that they were very hungry. But, um, the little town of Bad Durkheim is the Bad oldest wine-cultivating community. I, part of me thinks it would be so nice to, to go through You've Never Seen This and sort of cherry-pick some of the best moments, places, most interesting characters. Go back and uh, see how it looks now. Um, First, a conventional statue uh -huh. typifying the Great Gatherer was erected. But Fritz Keller longed for something much more original than that. Well, yes, he would do. A cow! Oh, okay. Visiting the site of the annual sausage fair. Yes, uh, Pete Collins is the host of this. And um, I gather that um, he could be a bit problematic. Uh, speaking of the biggest barrel the world had ever seen, Pete Collins was prone to a bit of... Uh, and I gather that he... Uh, some of the show's budget. Um, 5,000 pints. Yeah. Inside the barrel, a restaurant seating 500 people has now been built. But it's a, a fascinating little time capsule of, um, uh, of people doing strange things and just places like this. Does this place exist anymore? I have no idea. To drink the barrel dry. The restaurant... Ah, I know some people who could do that in four. 
half a day task. The ground floor houses the Weinstuber. Weinstuber. Grape juice are sold. Okay. The middle it's interesting that he couldn't film in there. They have to give him uh, photos instead. Um, but yes, this is um, premiere, world premiere of this um, almost complete missing episode of You've Never Seen This. So, podcast viewers, you are the first people to see this uh, since it was first broadcast at some point in the 1950s. Uh, and yeah, we will upload this to the Jerry Anderson YouTube channel because it isn't fair that the only, um, the only version of this in circulation will be the one with me waffling all over it. Anywho, uh, they've now hustled Pete Collins away from the giant beer barrel. That's probably a good idea. Where are we off to now? Um, oh, this looks nice. The hall of Oom is painted all over like a picture book. Aww. I also love as well that we've got this in, in high definition. So it's not only a lovely little time capsule, it looks really good picture quality. The raids miraculously missed the cathedral, the building of which was begun in 1377 What's and was means? only finished 60 years ago. Ah. So that's now over 100 years ago. Whew. Bomb damage has left some picturesque, though grim, effects. Ulm's ah. chief claim to fame is that it possesses by far the tallest cathedral spire in the world. 528 feet high, there are 768 steps leading from the ground up to the spire gallery, from which may be seen on a clear day the chain of the Alps. And are you going to go up there? No. Don't fall into the Danube. <laughs> like I did, after a few pints. Uh, yeah. World stands beside the longest river... Yes, the, uh, the sort of premise of this show is that... Um, Pete Collins is going all over the place interviewing people, but we also have this framing device of his secretary and a reporter who sort of keep checking in with him and saying, oh, so Pete, what are you doing now? Oh, well, I'm off to this place to uh, look for a, a woman who, uh, I don't know, a woman who has 10 brains we'll later meet in this episode. Um, and it's, I, I, it's unclear how many episodes there, there were of this. Um, Indeed, there may have been more episodes produced than were ever, were ever broadcast. Uh, it is one of those things where, you know, nobody really knows. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody could find out. But we have the world's, or Europe's largest cuckoo clock. The world's biggest cuckoo clock. World's largest cuckoo clock. I was right. Kronenberger okay. conceived his... Big idea. I love the woman who's just come out on the right, sort of, oh, oh no, he's doing with a cuckoo clock. I'm just going to, you know, do what I'm doing. Oh, there's, there's another clock here. It's clock mad. Ah. And again, I just look at this stuff and think, you know, obviously, such a work of art and craftsmanship. Is this still around? is hand-carved. Oh. Inside the clock is a shop which oh. sells souvenirs and, yes, cuckoo clocks. Oh. And... <laughs> It's evidently the most uh, fascinating thing in town. Oh, okay. Right. Let's see. Oh, is that it? Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to be part of the crowd that's gathered just to see this because it looks like you kind of have to see it from just the right angle. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. You're not going to get to see much of anything. <sighs> it's pretty, though. The world's biggest cuckoo clock 
is shortly to be shipped to America. Oh, of course. And when it goes, they it have to take everything. Many sad little hearts. <laughs> but mostly people wandering past the thing are wondering to themselves, what the heck is this? But I had come to Wiesbaden in search of something quite different. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a woman of whom the Russian writer Maxim Gorky once said, genius or phenomenon. I believe she is both. For in this beautiful city lives Thea Alba, okay. a woman with ten brains. Somewhere in this marketplace. Madam Alba, you are a whole secretariat in yourself. And President Wilson, after seeing a demonstration in Washington, gave for this billing matter. Whatever else Again, this is just... This miss, this week. What? This is unrelated to what he's talking about. But I just love looking at this old... This is a, a perfect little time capsule of, um, of mid-1950s Germany. They're just wondering about all those people just happened to be walking past. What happened with their lives after they were immortalized in... Uh, in uh, You've Never Seen This? in a forwards direction. Forwards direction, yeah, I can do that. And it's easy enough to do this with the left hand in a backwards direction. Backwards direction, I can do that But too. try doing both together, like this, and you'll run into trouble. Oh, yeah. I can't do it at all. I, I, no, I lost it as well. I'm going to introduce you to a woman who can not only do that trick, but a lot more besides. Ooh. Is this the woman She's with the ten the brains? With ten brains. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Thea Alba. Ah. There she is. Uh, I, I actually looked up this woman and um, there seems to be, well, coverage of her in like articles and such is, uh, is difficult to come by. Mostly you find mentions of the fact that there was a woman who claimed to have 10 brains, uh, by which they mean that she could control each of her 10 digits independently. Um, <laughs> he was very happy about that. what this is? Nope. Yeah, but there's, there's no, there's no sort of information on what she did sort of after this stage of being, well, famous. I mean, I don't think she could have um, really, well, I don't know, maybe she could have made a name for herself doing this for the rest of her life, but I'd be fascinated to know just Again, like I said about those people on the street, I would just love to know what happened to this person once the You've Never Seen This cameras departed. Uh, but now she's writing two sentences at the same time. Mel and... Uh, I can't actually read the handout. Oh, union is strength. Okay, Lumiere fait la force. Okay. So, oh, so it's French, right, yeah. Both hands at once in any major language or combination of languages. Okay. Let's put her to the test. Yeah. Thea, I would like you to write in Persian and Arabic and Chinese and Japanese. Oh my good oh my goodness. I mean you need a you need ten brains just to well master any other language. I'm hopeless with languages. That this is just incredible though. Uh, she is writing two different sentences in two different languages, just like she was asked to. Um, yeah, it's quite incredible. And the whole show was like this. Um, strange and obscure um, people, and quite a few animals as well. Um, as we said, uh, the, the opening 
segment of this episode, which sadly doesn't exist, was of a man who hypnotizes alligators. Um, I'm sure he came to a sticky end at some point. Uh, but other episodes there are um, like uh, cat and dog circuses. There's a dog who plays the piano uh, while singing. Lots of animals. Uh, but it's just a, a nice time capsule of some very unusual people and places and things. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to, to think, you know, just, just six years ago, we only had access to one You've Never Seen This episode. Now we have three and almost a fourth. Is worth more than a pretty face. Ah. The sun shines. So it, it may not be, you know, some of you may be thinking, oh, it's, I would have preferred a missing Twizzle episode or, or something. I mean, you know, I'd much rather have something like this because this is, this is real and this is just so much, so much more fascinating. I've seen the first episode of Twizzle. I can kind of assume that undoubtedly it improved as it went along, but also most of the remaining 51 episodes were probably in the same vein as the first. Uh, this is, is so much more interesting because it would be a different thing every week. Uh, unfortunately, as you saw at the beginning, the poor secretary character, for she was a recurring character, was on the uh, receiving end of a lot of uh, comments from the, uh, the men around her as they uh, chortled and, uh, and smoked and just, oh, yeah. But hey-ho, it's of its time. Uh, I also love the, the just death glare she gives him at the start when he uh, opens his stupid mouth. Oh, same to you. Yes, but she, we're coming up on uh, the whole ten brains thing, I believe, once she's finished writing two sentences at once. Uh, uh, and this episode is, unfortunately, I think we're stuck with her for the remainder of the episode. Uh, other episodes that I've seen, there is a bit more variety. Uh, so yeah, although you are looking at lost media, uh, recovered from... I'm not even sure who recovered this. Uh, I'd love to know more, actually, um, where this was found. You haven't? But yeah, there isn't much variety within this single episode. Here is going to write with both hands and her mouth. Okay. Thank you, Thea. So, is she... Okay, yes, she's putting a paintbrush on a stick in her mouth, and she's gonna write with that, and with her two other hands, she's got a chalk in each. What's she writing now? Ah, a bit of Shakespeare. I recognize this. Uh, she used to write for the feet as well, but she gave it up because she felt it was a little lacking in dignity. Yes, probably best. Yes, to be or not to be, that is the question. Um, oh, I, I can't even begin to, to conceive of the difficulty involved in what she's doing here. Because she has to assemble each, um, each word in individual sections, because her arms are only so wide. But uh, yeah. Well done, Thea. Now what? Well, the mystery of the strange objects will be revealed. 
Oh, good. Oh, these things, right, sorry. I thought he was, I thought he was gonna throw a conspiracy theory on us or something. That's a strange object. With six fingers. Six fingers. Ah, okay. Uh, I suddenly had uh, salad fingers flashbacks there. Oh dear, right, so now she has um, a stick with a chalk on uh, three middle fingers. And this is on each hand, so she's got six. And now she's just writing numbers. Berlin. Her extraordinary powers were not discovered until she attended a school of drama. During the <laughs> One night she got very, very drunk. ...to see if they could perform contrary movements with the hands and feet. Ah. Thea was the only one who could do it. This gave her the idea for her present demonstrations. Hmm. Well, I hope she made some money out of this. Again, I hope it was uh, a happy life she had after this that um, made all this worthwhile. ...has taken Thea many years to perfect. Okay. He's got quite an intense stare, has Pete Collins. Um, but he's, he's quite enjoyable. ...woman with ten brains. Okay. She will write ten different things at the same time. The incessant happy yeah. music is starting to grate a bit. The only person ever known... And it's not Barry Gray, I don't think. But this is quite incredible. It's a bit scary in terms of the visuals. It does look like something out of a horror movie at this point. But yes, she has a brush on each digit now. So ten or brushes, well, sticks each with a, a bit of chalk stuck on the end. And she's doing it. Um, she's written a different number with each with each chalk. Amazing control Thea has over all the separate movements. Yeah, it is quite incredible. It has to be done very slowly, you know. Uh, again, I just wonder about later in life, was she, uh, you know, did she ever have a daughter and was like, ah, oh, I have this legacy I can pass to you. You have this gift. Here are my sticks. Um, you can now go around Europe writing 10 things at once. Oh. <laughs> Larry, woman I've been looking for. Oh. To help me fill out my income tax forms. Oh, 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 oh. oh God. Where are you off to next? Austria. My good friend Dreo is due to come out of his bottle in five days' time. Hmm. I thought you just said... Are there any women in there I can uh, criticize and denigrate? That is exactly what I did say. He's been in there for a year... I like as well that the secretary has just given up for this end scene. She's clearly not, not interested anymore. ...and sleeps, all inside the bottle. Drop in when I get back. I'll be here. I'll be here, smoking and being chauvinistic as ever. Uh, yeah, he's called Reporter. I don't think he ever actually goes out and does anything. But uh, how nice, how nice was that? A real change of pace there. Uh, camera operator Arthur Provis, we're gonna see some familiar names there. Ted Astley, musical director, uh, perhaps better known as Edwin Astley. Uh, I just love this music as well, it's so jolly. Ah, so a nice little piece of, uh, of lost Jerry Anderson media there. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and I'm sure we have not seen the last of Pete Collins, for we have three more episodes to, uh, to, to see on the randomizer. How amazing that we are now halfway through the randomizer, and yet we're still finding new things to watch. It's incredible. We've never seen this.
Well, I'd never seen that. Ah. See? And I bet you haven't either. Oh, you probably have. That, that wasn't even in the script. When you, no. you, you made that up on the spot, yeah, didn't you? That's you're what so, I do. You're so clever that's and what funny. I do. Yes, no, I... Uh, no, obviously, I've seen You've Never Seen This, even though most people have never seen it, but that is a world exclusive. It, is, it has never been shown anywhere since it might have been partially first broadcast... Uh, in the mid 1950s. Wow. We think. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a bit missing, as you saw. Yeah. Uh, incomplete reel, but yeah. I mean, amazing. Yeah. And and I I like to think of You've Never Seen This as the Euro trash of the 1950s. <laughs> okay. I can see that. So without You've Never Seen This, yeah. perhaps that, that sort of iconic cult classic Euro trash might never have <gasps> even existed. My British chums. Exactly. Wow. Um, yeah. I miss Euro trash. Yeah, me too. Fun. Then it got a bit. Yeah, let's not, much, let's not let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, but you've never seen this lovely dad's directorial debut. And um, when we were doing some some research, when these things were being found, I found a, an amazing little stack of uh, mementos that he brought back from one of the trips because they were basically going around the UK and Europe interviewing interesting people who did strange things, including yeah. you know having their dogs play pianos or cats yeah. perform tricks or. Yeah. Uh, writing multiple things at the same time with different fingers and uh, <laughs> just such a crazy array of things. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, but just very slow and gentle and um, yeah, it's a, sh- a shame Dad didn't get to see it recovered actually. Mm-hmm. Although he probably would have ordered it burned I suspect. It's <laughs> almost certainly. Uh, yeah, great, there you go. More randomizer next week. Can't tell you what it is. It's random. No, but are we at a special place in the randomizer now? Is that it? So is that's pod 283. Is that the halfway point? I think. Is it? It's happy halfway point to the randomizer. Wow. Happy halfway point. Happy Crikey. halfway point, Chris. Do I get a cake? No. Uh, anyway, so more randomizer next week. Uh, more fab facts, more news. Uh, oh, a brand new interview with a guest. Or oh, uh, it's one of two. Should I mention it now or do you want to wait till next you week? You can say who they are. Well, it's either Craig Morris. Oh, from ITVX. Yeah, or it's uh, Sadie Miller. From uh, Big Finish and Doctor, Doctor Who stuff, stuff. Yeah, that's and, right, yeah. and uh, daughter of the lovely Liz Slade. Indeed, yes. Amazing. So they'll both be joining us and of course, you next time. Sadie and I yeah. were both on the same TV documentary in 1993. Uh, 30 years in the TARDIS yes, or something. Yes, more than 30, more than 30 years in the TARDIS, because it didn't make the, the, the proper edit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Oh, sweet, isn't Reunited. it? Reunited. Oh, that'll be I'm looking forward to witnessing that. Oh, me too. Great. Yeah, see you then, then. then. Oh, then. see you. Okay, then. Then, then. Bye right. then. Bye, Bye then. then. Bye then. Bye then. 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 Let's get started. Let's go. Is there anyone that you would like to be reunited with from your television past? From things I've been in, do you mean? Anything you've been in. What, anything? Yes, anything. Or some of them are dead. Uh, no, they should probably still be living. Like anyone that we could reunite reunite you with on the podcast as a guest, perhaps is what I'm thinking. Oh, so they have to have a Jerry Anderson. We're talking space precinct, are we? 
Uh, no, it could be could be anything else. Could I mean, anything. so for example, if yeah. you ever work with Sir Kenneth Branagh, sure, we know that he's a, a Thunderbirds fan. Yes. So, would I like to be reunited with yeah. Kenneth Branagh if I yeah. had worked with him? Right. But, but obviously, I don't know all the people you've worked with, so you have to pick somebody interesting who it could. Do you get this game or not? <laughs> I Is didn't that... know it was a game. You didn't warn me. Well, it's a game now. So pick yeah, we're doing somebody. this every week. Pick somebody now. Come uh, on. Have I got to pick someone now? Robert Bathurst. Right. Well, she just said to pick someone. No, but someone you really want to be reunited with who might be a Jerry Anderson fan. Well, I wouldn't mind having a chat with Robert Bathurst. Okay, fine, Jerry right. Fan. We're doing this every week. Let's, no, just now. It's the one-off, right? Oh, we should warn me. I don't think that worked at all. <laughs> Thank God it's not a segment or a... a format a point. Format point. Yes. That's No, we're not making it a format point. Don't worry. No, Anyway, good. I can see Ross closing in to try and shut the camera oh, off. So, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He's, he's stop. flicking off the lights and everything. All right, we get yeah. the idea, Ross. Right, bye. bye. God. Tetchy. That was an Anderson Entertainment production.